We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. Welcome to Strength for Tomorrow Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I hope this episode is everything that you ever dreamed of and much, much more. I'm Stuart. I'm your host. We have a gym here in Warren Point. If you live in the area, you're welcome to come and check us out, drop in for a class, inquire about personal training, or even sign up for our open gym service. You can come and train yourself whenever you want. I'm also actually offering training in Dremore now, where I live. I keep forgetting to mention this um, and advertise it, but somehow a few people have found this out and uh, it's happening now. It's pretty much happening. So if you're listening from further afield, we can also offer you some help through online training. Haven't had an intake for a while, but we're going to open that up again for a few people to join very soon. Colleague Jackie is currently offering um, you some training, so give him a shout if you're further away and you want some online training. He is the man at the minute to help you out. This week, we're gonna be thinking about the obesity cliff edge that we're on as a society. I'm concerned. I'm really concerned about how things are going and where we're heading as a society from a health perspective. So stick around, we're gonna nosedive head first, or nose first, into this kind of scary topic. But I think it's something that's really important to address, it's something we need to talk about, and it's more important than ever that people hear this episode. So please do share it on Facebook, Instagram, or wherever else you socialize. So as I said, I'm kind of concerned about the the where we are heading as a society with regards to our fitness, with regards to our health, because fitness in many ways determines our health. If we live a lifestyle of just being sedentary, not moving, not eating well, not being physically fit, it dramatically increases our risk of all sorts of diseases, as I'm always banging on about. But to bring this home, I suppose you put a bit of context in this. Some people, sometimes as personal trainers, we get a bit of a bad rep, or we get almost accused of being judgmental. And it's not about being judgmental. The reason most people get into training other people is because they want to help people. It's not so we can be judgmental, or we can look down on people, or think that um, if you're not in shape, you are less of a human or you deserve to be treated worse or differently. That's certainly not the case. Any personal trainers, any coaches I know, they they get into it because they want to help people. And that's where this podcast is coming from. That's the whole reason I do this. I don't have to spend my time uh, making a podcast. Uh, it's not because I like the sound of my own voice. In fact, I've rarely listened back to, to my podcasts. Um, sometimes for quality control or someone tells me something's, something's wrong, then I'll listen, listen back to it. But I hate listening to the sound of my own voice. But... I'm saying all of this and going to say the following out of a place of concern, but we we don't really care. So sometimes even if you're at a barbecue or at a family function or, you know, something, you're eating, you know, a barbecue, whatever, and there's desserts, some people feel a bit uneasy about me being there. Um, and they'll be like, think I'm judging them because they're having cheesecake or pavlova or something. And to be honest, I couldn't give a toss. Fill your boots. I mean, let loose. Or the other thing is that we, we get... Um, there's this impression that personal trainers don't eat those things or we never have cheesecake or pavlova or ice cream or nice foods. It's definitely not the case. Now, there's maybe some trainers out there who who don't eat those things. 
but not very many. Some of them maybe have some sort of psychological issues to deal with. I don't mean that in a funny way or being, being a joke. Um, some of them, and I know this because I used to be in that place many years ago where I would not eat potatoes at Sunday lunch or Sunday dinner. I would not eat dessert. Thinking about eating dessert would make me almost ashamed or sick. If I had some of it, I'd feel so guilty or bad afterwards, which is not a good relationship with food, and I don't advise anybody to get into that place. But, hands up, I eat dessert now. I, I love ice cream. I'll have ice cream probably once a week. I kind of save it for a treat at weekends. But I'm more or less the same kind of body fat, shape, size, weight, all those things as I have been. I train, try to train three, four times a week. But just a confession, just so you know where I'm coming from, personal trainers, most of us do eat um junk food from time to time because it tastes nice right so it's kind of weird this perception of us that we're judgmental or like we we always eat perfectly so you know we're we're in this position of holier than now and we can judge and we can do this and that we don't care listen if you want to fill your boots if you want to smoke cigarettes if you want to do whatever that's your business if you need help losing weight you need help getting fitter getting stronger and you need me to do that then it's my business but that's kind of a bit of a preamp there preamble bit of context but I was on holidays recently and normally I don't really like I don't really look around or judge people or think you know very much about other people I'm more concerned about myself and how you know have I dressed myself correctly have I got different socks on I'm more concerned about stuff like that is my hair sticking up I'm more concerned about stuff like that than what other people look like but I was standing I was waiting for my wife she was shopping as women like to do yep that's right I'm stereotyping stereotyping's quicker as we all know being a bit sexist probably there too, but yeah, send your complaints in, I'll deal with them. Um, but I was waiting for her, she was, only, she was doing grocery shopping, she was getting a few bit, extra bits and pieces, and I was just standing around waiting in the supermarket. But I couldn't help but notice that everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people seem to be carrying a lot more weight in general than they used to. Like I tried to count around me, kind of say like who, who was maybe a bit overweight. Just as a little straw poll. I don't normally do this, because one thing, I don't normally go out, I don't normally go shopping, but it wasn't to be like you know like judging people. It was just literally my own for my own stats, for my own kind of head to kind of get my head around this. But I counted like eight and ten people, and I'd, I'd walk around and go eight and ten, eight and ten, and I wasn't hanging around like the fat, you know, like this the, the snack foods or like the junk food aisles. I was just literally standing at the till, and it made me wonder what is the current state of um, society with regards to obesity and, and being overweight because the last two years we're being told that we've all put on weight right we're being told that we've all um, gotten a bigger waistline and that was the first time for me that it kind of dawned on me going actually you know what it's maybe even worse than the, the stats are saying and I wanted to check out what the stats are I'm going to deal with the stats in a few minutes but people just look like, in general people just look so tired they look so sick, they look worn out, they just look exhausted, they look like they've got mobility issues. And again, I'm generalizing, but a good proportion out of, if you count every you know every 10 people, a good proportion of, of those people that applies to. And as I said, I'm doing this out of a place of concern, a place of love, without sounding too cheesy, but it's not so I can be judgmental or beat anyone over the head or beat anyone with a stick. It's, it's trying to provide a bit of a wake-up call for us because... We all crapped the bed in the last two years because this thing called COVID, DIVOC, for code, so we don't get uh, you know, done for misinformation, as everybody who talks about it seems to do these days. But whenever it came along, we all crapped ourselves, right? We all panicked. We all started doing sticking stuff in our face and started you know, 
going all sorts of directions and we we panicked right as a society some people didn't do it some people took it really dramatically some people's relationships with others changed forever because of how they reacted to it and um it was a bizarre time and that was over something that was a respiratory illness and it's pretty clear now that it affected people who are overweight and obese much more than people who are physically fit and healthy and that's not a slight and not a not a like not being critical of, of people um if that applies to you but it's just pointing out the facts if you are overweight or obese and something like covid comes along again you are not going to deal with it as well as somebody who's in shape um it's just a fact it is a fact at this point but what is obese, first of all? So, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines it as a condition characterised by the excessive accumulation and storage of fat in the body. The NHS describes it as the term obese describes a person who's very overweight with a lot of body fat. Although, I should point out, the NHS doesn't actually di you know, differentiate, doesn't give you a very specific meaning. It doesn't tell you how much body fat, what is a lot of body fat, what percentage is that. Um, it gives you a range. It says if you're 18.5 to 24.5 BMI, then you're healthy weight. If you're 25 to 29.9, means you're overweight. If you're 30 to 39.9, means you're obese. And if you're 40 or above, means you're severely obese. But maybe another helpful metric we can use is the waist circumference to height ratio. So for example, I'm six foot two. I have a 34 inch waist, and this means I have a ratio of 0.46. Just for context. So the current interpretation is that we should as you know, universally men women adults should keep this under 0.5 so i would encourage you to look up your own waist circumference to height ratio to see where you're at but if it's over five you might want to do something about it you might want to start trimming back the old calories you might want to start walking more moving more and according to our all power all powerful all the one uk government website in the year um, November 2020, 62.8% of adults, so that's people aged 18 and over, were overweight or obese. A similar percentage to the previous year, 62.3. So that was the kind of the first, what, six months odd into 2020. So we hadn't experienced all of the impact of uh, the lockdowns and gyms shutting and all that stuff and people eating takeaways every night of the week and drinking wine. Um, but that's a big chunk of people, right? Six, it's nearly two-thirds I, I reckon it was 8 out of 10, and maybe in the area I was in, that is true, but again, it wasn't the most rigorous scientific method that I used, but it was just a straw poll. Um, but 62% is crazy, 62.3, so it's gone up like half a percent basically since you know the year before. I would love to know what it is today, 2022. Um, we might say that those people got out walking more, people were out um, swimming more, but the fact of the matter is, we were also eating more. We were also eating junk food. We were also baking banana bread that was coming out our ears. Every other person, right? Every other person you'd see baking banana bread. Don't know what it was about banana bread, but it's tasty, but still. So that those are the stats. That That is what's applicable to the UK. And I'd be interested to see what it would be with regards to Northern Ireland, with regards to Republic of Ireland, with regards to Scotland, England, Wales, America. I'd be interested to see what specifically those regions are. And I... I'm almost scared to look. I'm almost scared to try and find out. I don't think it's been updated very much, but you should look into it. 62% of people, how do you think they're going to cope with COVID or something similar that comes along? Because there's always going to be respiratory illnesses. Can we just accept that as a fact? There's always going to be respiratory illnesses. It's like one of the, is it number three biggest killer 
um, it's always been that way for like 30, 40, 50 years. So what are some of the consequences of obesity or, or being overweight? Well, according to an NHS study in 2021, 10,780 hospital admissions were directly attributable to obesity. That's directly. Okay, there's lots of indirect consequences of obesity, as we know, but that's directly, which seems like quite a lot. This is in England alone, by the way. Just over 1 million, so that um, it was actually 1 million and, what, 22,000 um, hospital admissions where obesity, where obesity was a factor. So that's crazy, isn't it? You think there's, what, 66, 67 odd million people in the UK, and, well, that's the UK. Again, this was England alone. This is NHS England. So, so over a million people. Over a million people, obesity was a factor. Obesity was a risk factor. Um, it was something that contributed to them being hospitalised, which is crazy. Um, an increase of 17% in on 2018, 2019, where there were 876,000. So it is getting worse. It's pretty clear from that data that it is getting worse. And then according to the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, CDC is otherwise known, that great uh, bastion of truth, as the last two years have demonstrated, um, Adults who are overweight or who are obese compared to those with who are um, have a healthy weight are at an increased risk for many serious diseases and health conditions. That's a direct quote from their their uh, website. So it lists them, and it's not good reading. It doesn't look good. All all causes of death, mortality were increased. Um, high blood pressure, hypertension, high LDL cholesterol, low HDL cholesterol type 2 diabetes, coronary heart disease, strokes, gallbladder disease, osteoarthritis, uh, sleep apnea and breathing problems, various forms of cancer, lower quality of life, mental illness such as clinical depression, anxiety, other mental disorders, body pain and difficulty just with physical functioning, so mobility and stuff like we were saying. And then obesity in, in kids, um, it's kind of scary, so Childhood obesity is also associated with psychological problems like anxiety, depression, lower self-esteem, lowered self-reported quality of life. So that's somebody actually thinking for themselves, my quality of life is not good. Which is really sad. If, I mean, just thinking of your kid, just think, imagine them thinking that. I mean, that's horrible thinking that their quality of life is less than somebody else in their class at school or something, or their cousins or their brothers or sisters. Social problems like bullying and just general stigma. So yeah, like we said, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, which are risk factors for heart disease, although that's debatable. If you look into uh, Dr. Malcolm Kendrick's work, you will uh, understand how flawed that theory is. But obviously, uh, heart disease is not good. There are other risk factors which contribute to heart disease. Um, but yeah, I put that caveat in there. Type 2 diabetes, and then, as I said, breathing problems, like just even sleeping properly becomes an issue whenever we um, put on weight and we're obese. And then joint problems like your cartilage gets worn, osteoarthritis, gallstones and gallbladder disease. Like there's stuff that you wouldn't maybe wouldn't even think about how it would um how it would impact you. But that is the fact. Those are the facts. Those are they're clearly demonstrable that those are all linked to the issue of over being overweight and obesity. So my question to you is, are you one of the stats? Are you in that sixty-two odd percent of people? who in the UK who are overweight or obese and if so are you happy about it are you satisfied with where you are 
like where do you see yourself in five years time i'm not saying this just you know to be a bit of a prick i'm saying this to hopefully spark you into gear to hopefully get you to to start doing something about it because it does come down to you it doesn't come down to me it doesn't come down to the government it doesn't come down to um joe wicks it doesn't come down to anybody but you it comes down to you um taking responsibility and making those changes that are necessary and we're going to discuss that if you're not sure where to start we're going to discuss the solution so what is the solution to the obesity and overweight epidemic pandemic whatever you want to call it to the title of this podcast is like the cliff edge we're not cliff edge the obesity cliff edge and my concern is that right whenever the next big thing comes along that if we are 30, 60 odd percent of us, sorry, are overweight or obese, that, that's a vast majority of the population are not going to be able to deal with it very well. What is that going to do to our hospitals, to our society, to our businesses, to, to our families if we cannot deal with things that come our way? Getting sick is part of life, right? Getting sick is just one of those sucky things as part of life. Um, we get sick as kids, we keep getting sick as adults. Now, we can't get sick less if we do certain things and we can make ourselves even more sick if we do certain things so there's lots of things as well outside of our control some things just happen to us right but there's lots of stuff we can do to help minimize that and to help overcome it when we do get sick so i'm going to tell you a couple of things that you've probably heard before but nutrition and movement okay calories in calories out so energy balance that is the basics of it okay i'm going to run through it really quickly and going to keep it really simple but there's some factors that will influence energy in and that is your appetite food consumed calories that you absorb and psychological factors as well so appetite it's basically influenced by hormones that regulate your appetite and your satiety levels food consumed it's influenced by by availability palatability energy density uh, education so if you know what to eat um culture sleeping sleeping quality as well then calories absorbed it's largely influenced by your macronutrient intakes your protein your carbs and your fats maybe prep preparing food your age your personal microbiome health status so if you have a you already have an illness then you're maybe not going to be absorbing calories as well as someone who's fit and healthy your energy status as well so how tired are you do you work long days and things like that um, and just just how, how you know if you're not getting sleep and things that's going to impact that psychological factors so influenced by stress levels minds your mindset so what you tell yourself the stories you tell yourself in your head even your perceived control so if you feel out of control you're going to start doing something to make yourself feel in control which is eating things that maybe you shouldn't eat um, your self-esteem level if we feel crap about ourselves we're probably going to eat crap and then we'll feel even more crap it's a vicious circle right been there done that sleep quality again so sleep keeps coming up right those are things that can affect how much energy we take in and the type of energy we take in and then factors that are going to influence our energy out so the calories we burn the calories we use up every day so energy burned at rest energy burned by exercise energy burned through non-exercise activity and then energy burned by metabolizing food so energy burned at rest that's influenced by things like your body size, so your height and your weight, um, your hormonal status, your diet and history. So if you're trying to, you know, if you're if you're eating loads of calories all the time, 
your metabolism is going to be going one way. If you're if you're um if you've been dieting a certain way, it's going to impact your metabolism as well. Um, genetic factors. So some people are just more predisposed to putting on weight than others, right? Um, some some of us like to blame that as the main reason. It, it still comes down to the fact that it sucks, right? It does suck. I know people are going to eat anything and everything they want, and they can, they won't put on any fat. It's really annoying, right? I hate those people. I'm joking, but yeah, really annoying. Um, but that's why genetic factors. As uh, my my father, my dad would say, you can't fatten a thoroughbred, and I'd be like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> Health status. Um, so again, got illnesses and stuff that's gonna affect how much energy you burn at rest, sleep quality, and your age. So you slow down. Um, a little bit every single year after you hit about 60 years of age more or less and then energy burn through exercise so that's going to be influenced by how able you are to exercise so if you're more mobile you're going to be able to be more capable if you're fitter you're obviously going to be able to be fit enough more with the capacity to burn more calories um, intensity duration frequency and um, type of exercise you choose the environment even so it was really warm it was really cool that's going to influence it and then things like hormonal status, sleep quality again. So sleep quality comes, keeps coming up, doesn't it? Energy burned by non-exercise activities. That's stuff like your health status gain, energy levels, stress levels, hormonal levels, um, your job. So if you've got an active job, that's going to help burn more energy. If you don't have an active job, you're going to burn less energy. I found that out whenever I started working in the University of Ulster in Cool Rain. And I moved from the... From the garden center i was always moving always active burning calories trying to get as many calories in as i could to try and build muscle and i never got a desk job i suddenly started ballooning up started getting a wee bit soft around the, around the belly and uh, it was i had to start trimming back my calories and that was just a simple job change and um, leisure activities as well so golfing and i don't know playing t- uh, whatever playing bowls go for a hike stuff like that then genetic factors again plays a role in how much energy burn not exercising and then energy burned by metabolizing your food so in, this is influenced by your macronutrient makeup and how processed the food is so the more nutrient the less processed it is the more nutrient dense it is and therefore the better your body is going to be at metabolizing it's going to um, burn you're going to burn more energy trying to metabolize it, i should say so what does this all mean for you this basically means that whether you know if you're trying to lose lose body mass you're trying to lose weight you're trying to get a healthy weight and you know stop being obese to get out of that bracket out of that label it's not nice being labeled is it? it sucks but what you want to do is you want to focus on your overall energy balance and how to shift that turn that focus that in your favor so there's a few ways to do that so for example if you want to reduce your calories and you want to consume more fiber rich foods like vegetables that are lower in calories and this is going to help reduce the number of calories your body absorbs across the day across the week across the month that's what it's all about averages you want to consume more protein to reduce appetite and then therefore overall energy intake. Eat slowly so you can tune into hunger and fullness signals and stop eating whenever you're satisfied, not completely stuffed. And then also using things like your hand as a measuring tool to get, guide your portion sizes or weighing the food out um, and then getting enough sleep so it's going to reduce your hunger and you know cravings for sweet foods, sugary foods. And then how can you increase calories out? How can you burn more energy? It's easier to re- reduce calories in than it is to increase calories out. I should say that. That's one caveat. But adding more, more cardio to burn more calories. So walking more. Walking's the most obvious one. Even if you never want to step foot in the gym. You never want to see me. You never want to train with us. That's absolutely fine. What can you do about it? You can go walking. 
everybody has access to walking, right? Um, it's free. It's free. That's a big selling point these days with the cost of everything, right? The other thing is add strength training. So strength training will build muscle and this will boost your overall metabolism and it will therefore burn more, more calories. You're going to burn more calories at rest just by trying to maintain the muscle. The stronger you get as well, the more calories you burn with every rep, with every set, with every gym session. If you start off lifting 20 kilos, suddenly you can lift 40 kilos a few weeks later. Guess what happened? You're burning more energy in your gym session because you got stronger. And then increasing your daily activity by taking things like the stairs, parking further from your your um, your your job, from going shopping or whatever. Um, maybe even using an activity tracker to try and push you to take more steps, simple stuff like that. And then boosting your protein intake. This will help increase the thermic effect of your digestion. And then practicing stuff like self-maintenance, self-care to help reduce stress, help improve sleep quality. Um, they're both really, really important for a healthy functioning metabolism. So then whenever it comes to food choices, um, some people think you have to always feel hungry if you're in a, you know, you're you're trying to be on a diet. People like to refer to themselves as being on a diet. When in, a, in effect, we're all on a diet. Our diet is what we eat. It's just what we eat. You're not, you're not on it. You're, 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 it is your diet every day. It's just what, what you eat. Okay. So a good example is what you have for, for tea. Say you think, I'll go have fast food. I'll grab a wee McDonald's here, right? So you can maybe grab a burger, some fries, some french fries. And that would maybe add up to 918 calories, right? Or, alternatively, you could have a nice 6-ounce tenderloin steak, medium-sized baked potato, and a couple of cups of steamed broccoli. That would be 562 calories. And what that does for you is you get lots more nutrients. You get loads more vitamin C, you get loads more vitamin A, vitamin um, so you get more iron, you even get more calcium, you get more fibre, and you get a lot more protein as well. And you've got a lot less calories in the tank. So that's going to satisfy you more longer. It's going to keep you feeling full longer. And it's also going to help put you in a calorie deficit, which is what is required if you're going to try and lose weight. And another thing which is really overlooked, we've already refer referred to it, but sleep, sleep quality, sleep quantity. Sometimes sleep quantities are if you're uh, graft, so you want to try and make sure your sleep quality is better. But what happens if you don't get enough sleep? Well, your ghrelin levels end up rising, which triggers hunger. Your leptin levels fall, um, and this takes you longer to feel full. Um, so there's lots of reasons why the next day you'll be trying to replace that energy you don't have because you're tired, because you're sleepy. You'll try and you will eat more food. You'll be you'll be more prone to eating junk food, eating sugary foods because you're trying to drive energy, drive energy from anywhere you can get. Um, they've actually found sleep deprived people tend to eat at least 300 more daily calories than people who get enough sleep so if you add it up if you're get, you've got a crap week's sleep times that by seven add that up across the month so that's another thing to address if you are struggling with your weight address your sleep don't be standing up watching netflix don't be sitting on your phone don't be sitting on your tablet don't be texting people um get the sleep get the bed early and have a good night's sleep quality sleep get fresh air that'll help your quality of sleep as well get sunlight get out in the open all those things will help you sleep better avoid blue light avoid your phone screen a few hours before so that is something that you're struggling with like your sleep do the basics tick the boxes and you'll be surprised how much it's going to help you the next day break all those little habits all those junk food habits it's a vicious circle so those are some of the things you can do. There's loads more stuff. We've, we've already done loads of podcast episodes on this very topic. So do look back in the early days and you'll see some really helpful discussions on there. Um, 
do check out our website do join our facebook group real life athletes as well there's loads of stuff on there and we're always throwing out advice and tips on instagram facebook if you've anything specific to ask me that i haven't covered or you're not you're a bit confused about drop me a message i'd love to point you in the right direction hopefully those are i provide some solutions there today hopefully um you're gonna take heed if this applies to you i don't want to see you hospitalized i don't want to see you become a stat and we all need to take responsibility for it what what are we what are we going to do when the next thing comes along the next major illness comes along that affects us it's going to destroy the country right we're going to lose loved ones over it we each need to start taking responsibility for ourselves and we need to start encouraging our loved ones our family our friends colleagues to do more to get more active to eat better if someone starts eating more healthily encourage them in it don't slag them off or say they're a weirdo or say there's something wrong with them um encourage them in it and maybe even join them in solidarity try and eat better yourself they're trying to better themselves maybe you should try and do it as well try and improve your not just your body composition it's not just about looks it's not just about how your body looks it's not just about even how much you weigh on the scales it's about optimal health it's about trying to improve our health and trying to live longer um healthier lives and therefore happier lives and be able to enjoy our, our, our loved ones be able to enjoy our jobs more people enjoy activity enjoy our kids or grandkids all those things whatever it is motivates you keep that to the forefront of your mind would be my advice whenever the going gets tough think of why you're doing it remind yourself why you're doing it write it down put it in the front of your car put it on the fridge put it in your bedroom put it in your mirror in your bathroom whatever it is keep it to the forefront of your mind and keep going if you have one bad day forget about it tomorrow's a new day if you have one bad week tomorrow's a new next yeah tomorrow's a new week next week's a new week try and get it going um i'd love to help you more if there's anything else i can do to to provide answers or solutions or motivation motivation gets you so far but it does take discipline it takes practice and after we practice it for a few weeks it becomes a habit and then habits become lifestyles and before you know it you're a healthy weight you're fitter you're faster you're stronger and you're going to be able to fight off disease when it comes your way i really hope you don't fall off the cliff this obesity cliff that is we're hurtling towards as a society i hope you're you're still standing on the edge i hope you're not going to be over the edge of it it's terrifying it is terrifying those stats are crazy it's like two-thirds of, of the nation two-thirds of the country are in that category and that's a high risk category there's all sorts of diseases as we already said that are going to come from it so do do what you think you need to do um chat with somebody start doing something start going for walks make little changes to start with and then make bigger changes as you get along but do something don't get swept over the edge of this obesity cliff so got some weekly news to round up on this one is from the 10th of september and it is from scitechdaily.com and the title of it is researchers find a link between artificial sweeteners and heart disease i don't know if you've seen this story this week but it has been hitting a few headlines a few outlets have been reporting on it it's from british medical journal so these these food additives should not be considered a healthy and safe alternative to sugar argue researchers a potential direct association between artificial higher artificial sweetener consumption and increased cardiovascular disease risk including heart attack and stroke has been uncovered by a large study of French adults published on 7th September by the British Medical Journal. These food additives are consumed daily by millions of people and are present in thousands of foods and drinks. The findings indicate that these artificial sweeteners should not be considered a healthy and safe alternative to sugar in line with the current position of several health agencies. 
it's kind of crazy because I remember years ago, and even still, there's lots of people who kind of have a go at anybody who says, oh, you shouldn't, you know, like, there's some PTs will be like, and there's some influencers out there who will be like, really hard and be like, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be drinking any soft drinks, you shouldn't be having Coke Zero, you shouldn't be having, you know, Stevia and all those artificial sweeteners, you shouldn't have any of that stuff, you should stick with that natural. And they kind of get slagged off for being purists and being, you know, don't know what they're talking about and there's no evidence, blah, blah, blah. But, I never thought that there was no, like, sometimes saying there's no evidence is not a very good reason. It's almost like saying, you know, saying there's no evidence is it could just be that there's no evidence because no one's looked for the evidence, no one's studied it. So it's looking like this has been studied now, it's looking like they've put some stuff together. So artificial sweeteners are widely used as no or low calorie alternatives to sugar. They represent, this is crazy, 5.9 billion pounds global market. And are found in thousands of products worldwide. They're particularly common ultra processed foods, such as artificially and sweetened drinks, some snacks, and low calorie ready meals. So it is. It's pretty. Um, it's pretty worrying, considering how much, how many soft drinks we take, and sometimes we do think that you know drinking, whatever, Diet Coke, this is Coke Zero, is healthier than, Coke Coke, <laughs> but, this is, yeah, it's kind of worrying. So it's in here, a total of 37% of participants consumed artificial sweeteners with an average intake of 42.46 milligrams per day. This corresponds to approximately one individual packet of tabletop sweetener or 100 mils of diet soda, diet coke, diet, yeah, diet soda, soda, whatever. Among participants who consumed artificial sweeteners, mean intakes were lower and higher consumer calories of 7.46 and 77.62 milligrams per day respectively. Paired with non-consumers, higher consumers tend to be younger, less physically active, have a higher body mass index, and were more likely to smoke and to follow a weight loss diet. They also had lower total energy intake and lower alcohol, carbohydrates, saturated and polyunsaturated fats, fiber, fruit and vegetable intakes, and higher intakes of sodium, red and processed meat. Does my head, I've never the, the batch those together. Red and processed meat, they're not the same thing. A steak is not the same as a sausage, never will be. Um, dairy products and beverages with no added sugar. However, the investigators took these differences into account in their analysis. It's kind of interesting. It's like a it's like a lifestyle trend, right? Those people who are drinking, um, soft drinks, artificially sweetened soft drinks like Coke Zero, etc. They also don't tend to eat good fats, fiber, fruit, vegetables. Um. It's interesting, it's interesting. Um, during an average follow-up period of nine years, 1,502 cardiovascular events occurred. They include heart attack, um, angina, transient ischemic attack and stroke. Scientists found that total artificial sweetener intake was associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular disease. Absolute rate 346 per 100,000 person years in higher consumers and 314 per 100,000 person years in non-consumers. So it's a, really, it's a pretty long article that, but it's worth looking up. And I don't know, I'll leave it up to you. I'm not gonna tell you not to, not to take them, but I don't know if anybody would consider them safe or healthy. Like how are you, like, they can't be healthy. They just can't be. It often baffled me, like how can there be, it tastes so sweet and there's no calories in them. Like, it's crazy, it is crazy. But one to be aware of, our next story, it involves BBC Travel, actually it's on bbc.com, and this was on 13th of September, so just two days ago. 
So the title of it is Four Health Conscious Cities Putting Pedestrians First. Inspired by COVID-19's long lockdowns and safety concerns, cities are implementing pedestrian-friendly initiatives and pushing for more car-free spaces. So, where's the first one? Paris, France. Um, they're trying to do away with roads and fully pedestrianising all along the river, apparently. Um, Bogota, Colombia, a bit further away. And Milan, Italy. And the last one is San Francisco, USA. So... Interesting, they're trying to pedestrianise it. I suppose like it's for pollution reasons and things like that, smog and all that crack, but I think it can only be a good thing from a health perspective if people are walking a little bit more, maybe taking a bike, um, it's going to be safer for cyclists and stuff, but it's probably going to be pretty annoying if you're a commuter, right? But uh, it's good to see there's something positive happening. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on it, but... Would you like to see Belfast or Newry or things turned into pedestrianised zones? I suppose in bigger cities it's, it's more difficult, right? Because it's just so hard to get around. They're just so huge. We're used to small places over here. Like you can walk around Belfast in an hour probably. Might take a little bit longer for Dublin. But you know you can get around the whole, all the main areas and pretty pretty quickly. But some of those big cities in the world, it's going to take a while, isn't it? You're probably going to need a bicycle or something. Interesting though. Interesting that they're, they're taking these initiatives. Um, this one is from The Independent, and this is from, this is yesterday, 14th of, of um, September, that's the month we're in now, isn't it? Why walking speed is more important than hitting 10,000 steps per day. So, we all know about the 10,000 step rule, right? We all know that taking, you know, we should all be walking 10,000 steps. So it says here, faster pace showed positive outcomes for heart disease, cancer, dementia, and death over above and above the total number of daily steps taken. It's interesting. So your walking speed is just as important as how many steps you take in a day. New research suggests walking 10,000 steps. Um, I hate to repeat stuff. But experts have now found that a faster pace, like a power walk, shows benefits beyond how many steps are recorded. The take-home message here is, is that for protective health benefits, people could not only ideally aim for 10,000 steps a day, but also aim to walk faster. So it's kind of like we, we aim to do here in training whenever we're in classes whenever in we're doing personal training we want people to improve upon yesterday so we want people to go a little bit faster a little bit do a little bit more work than they did the day before and it's not surprising we know the benefit of gradually increasing intensity trying to keep things intense that's why you can get a great workout in 10 minutes if you ramp up the intensity of it and crossfit has known this for several years now um hip training is pretty popular you can get Amazing work done in eight minutes if you keep the intensity up. That's why hit training is so successful, it's so beneficial as opposed to steady state. Now there's still benefits, but if you're just meandering, like there's a difference between walking walking and just sort of strolling about and dandering, isn't there? There's definitely a difference um for your your heart for one thing and how hard you're breathing. So interesting one. If you're getting there ten thousand steps, do them faster <laughs> is the advice there. Next one is from neurosciencenews.com. So it says exercise hormone halts Parkinson's disease symptoms. This is from the 12th of September. The summary is arison, a hormone secreted into the blood during high endurance and aerobic exercise, reduces levels of alpha synuclecline. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. I've never seen that word before in my life. Alpha synuclecline and restores movement in mouse models of Parkinson's disease. 
So researchers from John Hopkins Medicine and the Dana-Farber Centre Cancer Institute in Boston have shown that a hormone secreted into the blood during endurance or aerobic exercise reduces levels of a protein linked to Parkinson's disease and halts movement problems in mice. Parkinson's disease is a neurological condition that causes people to lose control over their muscles and movements affects about 1 million people in the USA. It's confirmed in additional laboratory research and clinical trials that the researchers study in the mice engineered to have Parkinson's disease symptoms could pave the way for a Parkinson's disease therapy based on the hormone arison. So pretty interesting. So Parkinson's disease is awful, isn't it? It's awful for, if you have it, it's awful for um, people who have to, to live with someone having it. It's just a nasty disease and um, I, you have my full sympathy if, if that's you or if um, someone in your family has it. It's just it's just horrible, isn't it? And there's no real known cure, but this is promising, I think. This is promising, like, exercise hormone halts Parkinson's disease symptoms. Like, imagine you could slow it down. Imagine you could just stop it in its tracks just by moving, moving vigorously, moving for long periods of time. This story gets into all, like, the nitty-gritty of it and all the technical side of it, but I think that's enough detail for us. Look it up if, if you're interested, because I think it's, it's really interesting and it's... I mean, if, if that was me, I'd be so stoked. I'd be so happy that there's something, there's some sort of progress or some sort of light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to Parkinson's disease. That's about uh, the end of it. That's that's all we've got for news this week. We've had loads more stories, but I had to kind of condense them into these four kind of top ones. There's lots of other stuff we could discuss, but uh, these are the most interesting ones I found. What did you find interesting? Is there, have you any comments on it? Is there anything that you liked? Is there any other stories that we missed that you think we should be talking about? Let me know. Email in at info at crossfunctionalfitness.co.uk Okay, joke of the week time. You probably really missed this one last week when there was no show. So fun fact, Australia's biggest export is actually boomerangs. We didn't know that. It also happens to be their biggest import. And because we missed last week, we've got another joke, okay? So if you didn't like that last one, this one's even better. So, I heard a stat this week that 85% of Irish people don't know how to do maths. I am so glad I'm in the other 25%. That is very much adequate. So that's it for another week. Thank you so much for joining me. If you made it this far, hopefully you did. Um, next week we're hoping to have a special guest on. I can't say now because he's been. We've tried to have him on so many times, and for one reason or another, it's fallen through. But this time, we're hopefully going to do a Zoom call, and it's gonna gonna happen. And uh, it's very exciting. I'm very excited. He's uh, he's a very knowledgeable guy. I used to indoor football with him about ten odd years ago, and uh, it'd be great to see him again. Great to chat. But yeah, do check out that one. Hopefully you enjoyed today's show. Hopefully it's been a wake-up call. If you know someone who needs a wake-up call, who needs a bit of a kick in the bum, who needs to get moving, who needs to start taking their nutrition seriously, taking their health seriously, looking ahead, looking five years down the road, if the things they're doing now, is it going to benefit them or is it going to um, is it going to lead to their demise? Is it going to lead to health issues and health problems? Send this on to them. Share it on Facebook generally if you don't want to send it to someone personally, but just say, hey, I was listening to this. This is... Um, listen to this podcast and it was I found it interesting and really helpful um, and explain some stuff about nutrition I don't know you phrase it whatever way it makes sense to the person you want to share it with but you could save their life I don't I don't want to sound dramatic but this stuff literally is life or death 
and I can't say it in any more stark terms than that. But the things we're doing today, that's why the, we all said a little tagline here, train today so you can be stronger tomorrow. Eat well today so you can be healthier tomorrow. You could call it, you could say that as well. It all ties in with it. But let me know what your thoughts are. Um, let me know if you're struggling with anything, as I said. I'd love to help you if you are struggling with your weight, with your nutrition, with your exercise. Um, drop me an email. I really shared it, but info at crossmotionfitness.co.uk. I'd love to point you in the right direction. But yeah, thanks for listening, and I will see you next week. Don't forget to train today so you'll be stronger tomorrow.